0: Nicole Pearson goes by Cole, current alias. Most feared vampire throughout this realm and any realm unlucky enough to have her step foot in it. She's walked the earth for over 500 years. Most do whatever is necessary to stay off her radar. Her crankiness and pettiness know no bounds. Imagine her surprise when a werewolf decides to get uppity and demand her services. Despite her massive magical powers and reputation for dissolving those that annoy her, she finds herself chasing a werewolf murderer with her wizard cop friend. Hampered by the untrained werewolf pup she was forced to bring along, she has to rely on a patience that she is not known for. If the murderer doesn't get her, the pup just might by opening the wrong box in her lab. But in his defense, who keeps a dragon in a bamboo box under bunk beds? To top everything off, she has a rogue Irishman calling, a partner trying to sell her collection, and a pup that thinks it's time to spring clean her cabin in the woods. Welcome to Beyond the Cover. Here we read the beginning pages of different books. We showcase various genres and authors, allowing listeners a broad scope of resources, not always found on the library shelves. This gives you the opportunity to fall in love with your next great read, We'll even tell you where the book is available. This week is an excerpt from the adult urban fantasy Werewolf Wrangling in the Buff by Tierney Hovey. The author would like you to know it's called In the Buff because the main character ends up naked in public in every book. Chapter One Running naked, I dove tackling the young werewolf around the waist. We tumbled across the grass in an awkward heap. When we finally came to a stop, we laid tangled up trying to catch our breaths. Well, he tried to. Being a vampire, my breathing never changed. However, my legs were already screaming from the sprint I'd just done. I thought back to how I ended up in this position. It had all started with a 6 a.m. phone call demanding my presence and me going. The smells and sounds of the forest filled my senses as I stepped through the portal. I looked up at the tree canopy above me as I felt the portal close. Sighing deeply, I took stock of where I was. Old tall trees, check. Leaf-covered ground, check. Insects galore, check. I had been summoned to a forest. Good to know my senses all agreed. Judging from the coordinates I had been given, I was somewhere in Tennessee. I felt my agitation increase at the thought. Another deep breath told me there was a werewolf nearby, but out of sight. Lurking. Perhaps it was afraid of little old me. A not-so-nice smile stretched across my face as I looked in the direction of the wolf. He thought he was hidden behind the... well, whatever kind of bush that was. I wasn't a botanist. Obviously, he forgot my vampire senses. His heartbeat sped up, and he smelt of fear. Hmm... I wonder if my fangs are showing. I ran my tongue along my teeth just to check. Nope, no fangage. Jeremiah, show yourself, I yelled into the woods. He knew it was unwise to annoy me. First, by calling me, demanding I come to these coordinates. I don't take orders well. Everyone knows this. Second, by not being here to meet me, he was just asking for me to smite him. I have the power of two Olympian gods. Smiting is easy. Keeping the powers of Aphrodite and Ares from fighting with each other, that was a little harder. But I've had several centuries to get the hang of it. Unless you want me to entertain myself with that young pup over there that smells so invitingly of fear. It was an empty threat. Werewolves taste like wet dog. Vampires only feed on them to be insulting. But it was effective, since I could hear someone coming towards me in what sounded like human form. After a moment, Jeremiah stepped out of the foliage. I hadn't seen him for a while. His black hair had more silver, and his hazel eyes seemed faded. But I was pretty sure he was wearing the same flannel shirt and jeans as last time. He looked me over and gave me a little smirking smile. Not sure why— Just because my ebony hair was pulled up into a fuzzy ponytail that almost reached the middle of my back, and wait, I looked down to see what I was wearing. Oh dear, in my haste, I'd thrown on my black leather pants and a pink silk blouse. At least I did have boots on. Granted, they were brown. Was it acceptable to wear brown boots with black leather pants? More importantly, when had I bought a pink silk blouse? Oh well. I narrowed my blue eyes at him. So what was so important? I had to get my, what was it you said, blood-sucking corpse out here now? I gave him my death glare as I quoted him. If this wasn't life and death, I was going to have to hurt him. I didn't care for being woken up at the butt crack of dawn. There's something you need to see. He nodded his head to the right and then started walking that direction. I gave him a dirty look and then followed. The buzzing of all the mosquitoes following us was highly annoying, but I smirked at them. My blood held no interest for them. The parasites were going to have to find somewhere else to feed, hopefully in unspeakable places on Jeremiah. As we walked through the trees, I tried to keep the limbs from snagging my shirt. Silk was not the appropriate material for trekking through the freaking forest. The scent of werewolf lingered in the air. Several of them had been through here recently. Beside me, Jeremiah was getting tenser the further we walked. A couple yards in, we walked around a downed tree and stopped. Lying on the ground in a heap was a male body. A few werewolves were hanging around in wolf form, like they were standing guard. I took a deep breath and felt my brow wrinkle in confusion. Stepping closer, I took another breath and cocked an ear towards the body. Stopping beside him, I crouched down and stared at him intently. You can't smell him either, can you? Jeremiah asked, matter-of-factly. I looked at him from the corner of my eye and shook my head. My nose was less than six inches from him, and he had no scent. I couldn't feel any heat coming off his skin, heard no heartbeat or breathing. All of this meant he was dead except for the scent. Even dead He should have had some kind of smell. As I contemplated what all this meant, I heard my phone go off in pocket. Pulling it out, I unlocked the screen before I looked down at it. I immediately cleared the screen after a quick glance. Thankful, I couldn't flush like a human. I looked around quickly to see if anyone had seen the text message with the emojis, with the hearts for eyes, and the ones making kissy faces. Since no one was laughing or choking, I was pretty sure I was in the clear. I shoved the phone back in my pocket and went back to examining the dead body. Closing my eyes, I took a deep breath and caught the faintest trace of magic. Opening my eyes, I walked a small circle around the body. Jeremiah stood still, watching, waiting for me to finish my inspection. I stopped near the dead guy's feet and looked at him. Someone opened a portal here. Can you smell them? What are they? Who killed my wolf? Jeremiah demanded. I could feel his anger lash out as well as his authority. He was the highest-ranking wolf on the continent. Alpha of all wolves in the U.S. and Canada, it wasn't surprising that he demanded answers, especially if the body was that of a wolf. However, I wasn't one of his wolves. Swiveling my gaze from the body to Jeremiah, I let my inner predator peek out my eyes. When I smiled at him, my fangs were definitely showing. Some of the color leached out of his face, and he shifted uncomfortably. He seemed to get the message that he wasn't the biggest, baddest predator in the woods today. I'm not smelling any magic users. I think they ripped the portal open and shoved him through without coming through themselves. Nodding towards the body, I continued. There appears to be a stasis spell on him. It blocks all sense and sounds. They didn't want him found immediately. I kept my eyes on him as I shifted from intimidating to speculative. All this any witch could have told you, so it begs the question as to why you demanded that I come here. I wanted you handling the investigation. Someone killed a wolf and dropped his body here like he was nothing. You looking for them will send a message. Kill a wolf. Deal with Cole Pearson. Nobody in their right mind wants you hunting them. Jeremiah looked at me with a dangerously, slightly crazy grin on his face. My spidey senses were tingling. The old wolf was certainly up to something. I cleared my throat before I answered. I'm a liaison, not an investigator. Connor is the badge, not me. You do what you want, when you want to. Besides, liaison might be your title, but everyone knows. You are more of a hitman shakedown artist for your bosses. In your spare time, you solve mysteries. You and Connor Eccles are the best there is out there. He turned to the body. He deserves the best. I nodded. Understanding where he was coming from, I knelt beside the body again, closed my eyes, and pushed magic to my fingertips as I moved my hands over the dead wolf's back. The stasis spell broke without resistance. Death assaulted my nose without warning as did the scent of the wolf letting me identify him. I hadn't given much thought to who he was. He was lying face down, and I hadn't recognized his clothes. But his scent I knew well. Beside me, Jeremiah swore, as he too could now smell him. I whipped my head around to glare at the alpha. My eyebrows were trying to reach my hairline. "'This is Cyrus Howell,' I growled at him. "'Your representative with the council.' He turns up dead, I'm for sure going to be looking into it. So you didn't call me here because you want me involved. So what gives? With a wave of his hand, he dismissed the wolves that had been guarding the area. A slow smile spread across his face. You and Connor will be investigating this, along with my grandson, Tristan. He looked at the look on my face and laughed. Which one is Tristan? You've got like 20 grandkids. Is he the one that's the sheriff? He might be useful. No, that's Thomas. Tristan's Jacob's only son. The smile was getting bigger. I flipped through my mental Rolodex trying to figure out which one Jacob was. When I found him, my eyes about bulged out and my jaw dropped. The separatist? As in the supernatural beings that have chosen to live human? The ones who don't use their gifts and have cut themselves off from those that do? Yes. My voice was getting squeaky. Separatists? Could this get any worse? Then I remembered the footnote on Jacob. You want me to take a kid raised by not only separatists, but pacifists into an investigation that will undoubtedly end in a fight? A fight that will most likely have magic, claws, and fangs? Why the hell would I do that? I thought my head was going to burst at just the thought of it. What good would a werewolf do me if he wouldn't wear or fight? The look on Jeremiah's face could only be described as evil and enjoying it. That grin was still plastered on his face when he answered my question. You will take him along, teach him about our world, keep him safe, unless you want me to start talking about what really happened in June of 1889. The bastard's eyes started to twinkle as he blackmailed me. And just in case you decide it would be easier to kill me, I do have an insurance policy. My blood ran cold. Or would've if I wasn't already dead. Your grandpappy was supposed to take that to his grave. I ground it out between my clenched teeth. Here's the boy's address. Let me know when you figure out what happened. He passed me a card with a name, address, and phone number on it. Good hunting. He turned and blurred into a pitch-black wolf, let out a howl, and disappeared into the woods. What the hell just happened? Hi, thought I'd pop in and remind you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Also, if you know an author that has a book they're trying to launch, let them know about us. We're always looking for new content to record, and we want to help authors get their content out there. And now, back to the story. Chapter 2. I stepped out of the portal on my front porch. I love my house. Several decades ago, I had discovered the cabin in the clearing while hunting down a coven of evil witches that were using it as their base of operations. It had taken multiple cleansings to get rid of all the bad juju the coven had left behind, but the cabin was worth it. Wood surrounded it on all sides for privacy. The front porch wrapped all the way around to the covered deck in the back, which sadly meant the two-car garage was detached, but it's not like I own a car. Coming through the door, I went down the short hallway past the door to the spare bedroom and made a left to the stairs. Stomping up them muttering to myself, I pulled my phone out of my pocket and sent Connor a quick text to meet me at my place. Throwing open my closet doors, I glared at my clothes. Black leather and pink silk would not blend where I was going. Casual would probably be best. I pulled out a jeans and shirt. Dressing quickly, I stopped by the bathroom to fix my frizzy hair. A glance in the mirror showed me that even at over five centuries, I could still pass for twenty-five. However, currently, I looked like a reject from some survivor show. Twigs and leaves were twisted through my hair, along with what looked like part of a spider web. I started muttering about how much I hate stomping through the freakin' woods. Thankfully, it didn't take long to get rid of the debris. I was doing my imitation of a sulking teenager when I headed down the stairs. Connor walked through my front door just as I reached the last step. Not yet done with my tantrum, I looked Connor over. He looked like he was well-rested and hadn't been called to the woods at the butt crack of dawn. His dark hair was perfectly gelled and appeared to have given serious thought to his ensemble. That was the only word to describe what he was wearing. Sleek black leather jacket over a perfectly pressed button-up. Black skinny jeans covered his legs. Skinny jeans! To finish his look, he had on a pair of black motorcycle boots. Tucked into the little slit of a pocket of his jacket was a pair of aviator sunglasses. His slightly sharp features were wearing a smug look. Someone needed to wipe that look off his face, and who better to do it than me? Let me guess, you were just at a boy band audition? Your stage name could be Old Spice. He just kept smiling. Unacceptable. If you're looking smug because you got late, I don't want to hear about it. I snapped at him as I reached into the front closet to pull out my leather jacket. Sarcasm dripped from every word as I said, I'm sure the latest conquest is Mensa-bound. He grinned at me with mischief in his green eyes. I didn't care for that look. No good ever comes from it. I found this on the front step. He pulled a basket with red netting around it from behind his back. He set it down on the table by the door and unwrapped the basket. Lifting one of the little styrofoam boxes with ribbons painted on it, he read the label Who knew you could send a gift basket of blood? I certainly didn't. He slowly spun the box around, admiring the detail work of the decorations. Hallmark thinks of everything, don't they? I glared at him as I snatched the containers and carried them into the kitchen. Glancing at them, I made sure they were properly labeled and noticed that they were all wizard blood. Mmm, made me hungry just looking at it. It was too bad wizards could turn their blood to fire to prevent us vamps from feeding on them if they weren't in the mood to be dinner. Unless, of course, we wanted to risk bursting into flames. Nothing was tastier than magical blood, not to mention we could catch a buzz from it. I stashed the boxes in the industrial size freezer in the section where I keep my specialty bloods. I grabbed some plain old oneg and popped it into the microwave— Opening the cabinet with my to-go containers, I swore as I was viciously attacked by lids and cups, someday I was going to clean that thing out. But today, I had to track down a werewolf and convince him to go hunting a murderer with me. After pouring the blood in a cup with a lid, I headed back into the living room, where Connor was still standing with the smirk on his face and a twinkle in his eyes. Obviously, I hadn't been mean enough to him, Narrowing my eyes, I started to open my mouth to say something snarky. Hadn't given much thought to what, but I do have a natural talent. Open mouth, snarky comes out. Unfortunately, he beat me to the punch. You didn't read the card. His voice was so sweet. Gah! How will you ever know who sent you such a thoughtful gift? He fluttered his hands around like a magician. A gold card appeared in his left hand. It would have been a neat trick if he was human and if I couldn't smell the magic in the air. I cocked my head to the side and smiling with lots of fangs showing. Quickly, I brought my hand up and shot a ball of fire at the card. Connor started swearing when it hit its mark. He shook his hand as the ashes fell on my hardwood floors. A wave of my hand and the ashes were gone. "'So why are you in such a fine mood this morning?' Connor asked. "'Got a call a couple hours ago from Jeremiah. Turns out he has a dead wolf in the woods. I told him all about my morning in the woods. When I told him the identity of the wolf, he came to attention. "'Cyrus Howell is dead? Has the council been notified?' he demanded. "'Don't know. Jeremiah didn't mention it. He did have other things on his mind.' I filled him in on the whole Tristan thing, conveniently leaving out the blackmail. Connor didn't know about the incident, and I planned on keeping it that way. He folded his arms across his chest while giving me a speculative look. I nonchalantly took a sip of blood while not meeting his eyes, fighting the urge to whistle so hard. There was a chance I was going to lose the fight not to fidget. To keep my hands busy, I shoved my newly purchased from the clearance section sunglasses on my head. Why did you agree to this? I was being sympathetic. Cyrus was laying there dead. How could I deny his reasonable request to teach his grandson about our world? I managed to keep a straight face. Yea me. I stood up after tying my shoelaces. Standing next to him, I noticed he was towering over me more than usual. Usually, I could cancel out the six-inch height difference with boots, but since he was in boots and I was in sneakers, I felt like a hobbit next to him. If he patted me on the head or offered me elevensies, I was going to have to do something drastic to him. Reaching a handout, I ripped a portal to a spot near the address Jeremiah had given me. It would be rude to appear on the doorstep unannounced. Stepping through, we were standing in what appeared to be a kid's playhouse oops, I missed. Connor turned his head and gave me a look. Guess I should have looked at the street view before I decided where to rip the portal to. But on the bright side, no one could see us. Let's get out of here. I'm feeling claustrophobic. Hoping Connor wouldn't realize I hadn't meant to drop us here, I peeked out the tiny window to see if anyone was around. We ducked through the window-sized door, darting for the fence, and jumped over it. We were only a couple houses down from Tristan's, according to the street numbers painted clearly in stenciled numbers on the cookie-cutter houses. The neighborhood screamed master-planned community. Streetlights every 30 feet, approximately five or six different house styles, doggy stations strategically placed, and a clean, even sidewalk on both sides of the street. This was suburbia. It made my skin crawl. Why would anyone want to live in a house where your neighbor was close enough to tell you that you already wore that outfit this week? Strolling down the sidewalk, I could smell various supernaturals around, mostly werewolves. Hopefully, none of them knew how to use their noses. The population around here would notice I didn't belong quick if they did. Vamps rarely become separatist. We could walk up and ring the doorbell like Avon ladies, but if Jacob answered... It would be problematic. We'd met a few times over the years. If he ordered me to leave and not return, I would have to. Otherwise, I would be in violation of the Accords. Granted, I had what equals diplomatic immunity, but I really didn't want anyone knowing I was interested in the kid. Besides, Connor was duty-bound to honor the law. Casually, we strolled over to the park across the street and settled onto a bench under a large tree. It was a windless day, so my scent was not being blown around. Mentally crossing my fingers, I hoped it stayed that way. Otherwise, the locals might decide to reenact the old days and chase me down the street with torches and pitchforks. I sighed when I realized I had forgotten my cup of blood at home. My eyes strayed to Connor's neck, where I could hear his warm, magical blood just pumping away. No. He said firmly, without looking, and pointed a finger at me. I gave him an innocent look. Hate it when he busts me lusting over his blood. We sat there for about an hour before anyone came out of the house. The kid looked late teens, early twenties, broad-shouldered, and fit. He had blonde, shaggy hair and tanned skin. Glancing at Connor, he nodded. The kid looked like the DMV picture Connor had pulled up. Casually, we stood up and started walking in the same direction as the kid, keeping the street between us. Didn't want to spook him. He crossed to our side of the street and went into the park. We watched him disappear into a grove of trees. As we headed towards them, the breeze shifted, bringing me not only his scent, but the smell of something else. I couldn't stop the smile or the chuckle. Shaking my head, I looked at Connor to see if he could smell it yet do you smell a skunk? Connor asked quizzically. It took great restraint not to bust out laughing at him. Sometimes I forgot how straight-laced he was. The guy looked 30, but had just had his 60th and had never touched any drugs, not even in the 60s or 70s. I could not say the same. Nope, but I do smell skunkweed. I do believe our boy is a stoner. I answered as we stepped into the grove. The kid wasn't far in and turned at the sound of my voice. He quickly palmed a pipe that looked like a wolf head and tried to look like he hadn't just taken a hit. "'Go ahead and blow it out. I promise we won't rat,' I reassured him. He choked out the smoke like it hurt. "'Tristan Smith?' I asked. "'Needed to make sure I had the right werewolf.' "'Yes?' he answered. His eyes were huge and bloodshot. "'This could get interesting.' your grandfather sent me. My name is Nicole Pearson. The kid froze for a second and then turned and bolted deeper into the grove. Huh. Wonder if he's heard of my badass reputation. Exchanging a quick look with my partner, we took off running after him. Apparently, being stoned didn't slow him down. I hate chasing werewolves. Even in human form, they were fast. We burst through the edge of the trees into the clearing. There was a lot of grass between the trees and what appeared to be an old church. Glancing around, I couldn't see or hear anyone. A few steps later, my feet started smoking. Oh, crap. Consecrated ground. Well, looky there. Gravestones. Wish I had noticed them sooner. But really, who puts a graveyard in a suburban neighborhood in Arizona? Isn't that how horror movies start? I suddenly had the image of hundreds of bodies rising from their graves and zombies walking into the cookie-cutter houses. Sighing, I turned into mist and swirled my way out of my clothes. Shooting across the grave markers, I continued to follow the pup. As soon as I cleared the edge of the old graveyard, I returned to corporeal form to continue the chase. I hate running naked, boobs bouncing in all directions. Not always the same direction as each other, interestingly enough, There were a million different things that can be hiding in the lush grass underfoot, just waiting to puncture a foot. My long hair trailing behind me like a banner, I was going to be in need of a detangler. Thankfully, I caught up with him in a few steps and tackled him. Awkward since I was naked. Connor came running up, thankfully carrying my clothes. Get off him. You're too old to be a cougar. I quickly jumped up to get my clothes on. I wasn't body conscious. Like all vampires, my body had burned all its fat during the changing process, but I had learned over the years that humans tend to get agitated over naked people in parks children frequent. Scurrying into my clothes, I realized that once again, something had been forgotten. At least it was just a sock this time. Last time, he'd forgotten a shoe. I still haven't figured out how you don't notice you're only carrying one shoe. Hello, they come in pairs. "'So, which part made you run, your grandfather or my name?' I asked calmly. "'I don't have a grandfather.' "'Oh, so you think your father was found in a cabbage patch?' He gave me a sullen look. "'Dad's never mentioned his parents. "'The packs have left us alone all these years. "'Why is he interested in me now?' I took a deep breath, had to tread carefully here. "'Your grandfather, Jeremiah Lobo?' "'Has asked that we show you the world your father left behind.' "'He kept giving me a scared, confused look. "'He took a deep breath and got a good whiff of me. "'His blue eyes turned into dinner plates and he paled. "'The smell of fear coming off him roused my inner predator. "'I felt my fangs descend at the scent. "'Oh, dear, this was not going well. "'I took a deep breath and retracted them. "'I gave him what I hoped was a friendly smile.' What are you? You smell of death. He was slowly edging away from me. I'm a vampire. Don't worry. You taste like wet dog. I'd have to be on the verge of starvation before I'd go anywhere near your blood. That seemed to calm him down a little. His heart rate slowed. So, as I said, I'm Nicole Pearson. Most people call me Cole. I saw something flash in his eyes at my name. Made me wonder if he'd heard my name somewhere. The kid looked up at the sky and looked at me. Silently, I groaned. I had a feeling I knew where this was about to go. If you're a vampire, how can you be in the sunlight? Shouldn't you be, like, sleeping in a coffin somewhere? Tristan asked with teenage attitude. I cleared my throat before I answered him. First lesson, 90% of what you have learned about the supernatural world is wrong. Vampires can walk in sunlight. We don't like it because it's freaking bright. I gestured toward my sunglasses. We sleep in beds, not coffins. Garlic won't hurt us. You can't be turned just by being fed on. There's more that you will need to learn, but that's a good start. I nodded towards Connor. This is my partner, Connor Eccles. He's a wizard peacekeeper. Another blank look. Peacekeepers are like cops. I waved a hand at Connor. Show him your badge. Connor handed the pup the little wallet that held his shield and identification. After looking it over carefully, Tristan handed it back. Do you have a badge? Connor coughed on the laugh he tried to hold in, or maybe because I thumped him on the chest a little harder than I intended when he snickered. I don't have a badge. He was looking thoughtful. Time to wrap this up. I waggled a finger towards Connor's breast pocket. Taking the hint, he handed the kid his card and mine. I didn't bother carrying cards given the high possibility I would misplace my clothes. If you decide you want to know more about the world you came from, give me a call. Connor and I turned and walked back into the woods. You know those are men's sunglasses, right? My observant partner asked. Duh, I have to make up for the fact that you're wearing women's jeans. No way I was admitting that I hadn't noticed— Of course, that did explain the lack of rhinestones. Once we were safely out of sight of onlookers, I reached up and ripped a portal back to my place. You've been listening to Werewolf Wrangling in the Buff by Tyranny Hovey. This book is available on Amazon and Kobo. There's also links in the show notes so you can purchase the book for yourself. Thanks so much for joining us at Beyond the Cover. We hope to help you find your next book.